Royal Stanley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, offering securities through United Planner Financial Services. Member FINRA SIPC shares his planning approach to help people toward a place where they may be at peace regarding their financial goals. In this dynamic podcast, Royal will share his insights on how to design a retirement plan to help you plan for your future. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Life by Design with Royal Stanley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors. Today, we're going to be talking about something near and dear to my heart. It's going to be charitable giving and estate planning. Well, charitable giving and and estate planning is good too, but I really like charitable planning. Royal, how are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. How are you, Eric? Doing really, really well. I'm, I'm looking forward to today's podcast. I know you've got a ton of good information for us. What spurred you to want to have this podcast specifically? After our last podcast, where we really went into the basics of estate planning, wills and trusts, and that sort of thing, one of the big components about planning for our passing on from this world is looking at the ways charitable giving can fit into our estate plan. And also, I mean, charitable giving is one of my favorite topics to explore with clients because while not all clients have that charitable inclination, many of them do and and would just love to have that conversation about how they can use their wealth to really promote the things that they believe in and care about uh, around them. Great. So where do we start today? For right now, I I think I'd like to just kind of jump in and talk about a little bit in general about charitable giving and why people really give. It's an interesting thing when you think about human beings. Why do people give to charity? Now, oftentimes, it's simply because they believe in a mission that that charity or that organization is fulfilling. They know they can't you know, make the same impact, for instance, on cancer with their $100. But if they pull it together and give money to the American Cancer Society or another organization that focuses on cancer research and maybe kids with cancer or whatever that might be, they can help leverage and be part of uh, that goal or that mission. Another thing that I see quite often is, especially with my my more religious clients, is they have, I think, a calling to tithe for the most part. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's really just kind of giving back to those around them, supporting a faith community, supporting uh, outreach and benevolence. And and that's just uh, kind of an amazing piece, uh, especially in a small rural community uh, like I live in. It's just exciting to see those dollars kind of go back into the community. And I think it really is a way of getting a handle on money, a way for people who tithe to kind of say, I'm not going to allow my wealth to control me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to do that planning. So I know that I'm giving 10% versus I think how a lot of Americans live, which is I'm going to spend everything that I need to. And if there's any left over, I'll go ahead and, and maybe consider giving to charity. Just a couple different ways of looking at that. You know, there's a lot of different uh, charitable organizations out there. Some promote education, such as museums, libraries, uh, and then arts organizations. We have a number of great theaters here in Southern Oregon. I know there's a lot of money that passes to those to really kind of put on these great shows. For instance, the Oregon Shakespeare uh, Festival here in Ashland does a fantastic job. And then finally, I think the, the other one, you know, one that's becoming, I think, bigger and bigger over the last 20, 30 years is those charities that help protect the environment, maybe Sierra Club, Greenpeace, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. 
I think everybody has to kind of come to charitable giving in their own way and find those organizations that really speak to their heart. I think it's a, so important to be able to sit down and and have that conversation if you're married or if you're even if you're not married, have the conversation with yourself. What really moves you? What do you see that you could do and help change? Because I pretty much guarantee there is a charity out there that represents that. And once you identify it, then finding that charity to give to, that's very, very satisfying. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't want to take anything uh, away from people who maybe just haven't been exposed to uh, giving to charity. Really, I think maybe comes down to what we saw modeled by our parents quite often. True. You know, I, I know my mother was very diligent with her tithing to church and her giving to organizations. And if my dad got a, a letter in the mail from a charity, he would always write a $5 check. So I grew up with this concept of you give back to the world around you because you, you've been blessed so much. Now, a lot of people didn't have that model for them. And so in our conversations, I never, ever try to try to make a value judgment on someone who gives versus someone who, who decides not to. It maybe gives inside of the family, maybe gives in other ways. I have some clients who, even though on their tax returns, they have very little charitable giving, they might be donating to food banks. They might be uh, you know, buying things for their neighbors and helping them. It's really just a way of, I think, giving back. And as a financial advisor, there's some definite benefits there that we can begin exploring for people when it comes to charitable giving. One interesting thing I, I wanted to kind of bring up and chat about is kind of the difference between Americans and Europeans when it comes to charitable giving. Doing some research for this podcast, I knew people in the U.S. were much more charitable than those in Europe. From everything I, I took a look at, all of those giving rates, Americans really focus on charitable giving, whereas in uh, Europe, there's really not as much emphasis on charity. And I think that really just becomes into the size of government and the government programs out there, like socialized medicine, mm -hmm. some of the welfare programs they have in, in countries like France and Germany. So just a different way of looking at it. They're still improving their society, but they don't have that control of where their politicians spend the money that they're, they're being taxed on. So I, I think the, the charitable mission that Americans have is they want to have that say in where those dollars are spent uh, and where those dollars go, which I th really think is is a great way of looking at it. And, you know, it's not like we needed another benefit for being Americans, but, but there's one for you. <laughs> yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, it, it lets you direct where you want those funds to go because the government doesn't always make the best decisions as we've kind of seen over, you know, the last few decades. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of nice millennia. to have that control. Yeah, yeah the millennia, yeah, since its inception. <laughs> As much as we love giving and, and we talked about the separation between what the government does with their money and what we as Americans do with our money and a little bit of both, the new tax laws are they're going to be affecting charitable giving in one way or another, positively or negatively. What are we what are we looking at for 2019, Royal? Absolutely. And we're actually looking at for 2018 as well with those changes. True. The biggest change uh, occurred with the government basically increasing the standard deduction up to $24,000 for a married couple. They also limited how much uh, state and local tax you can deduct on your Schedule A. Mm -hmm. So what this looks like then is for a lot of people, 
they're just going to take the standard deduction versus itemizing their deduction. So for those who in the past had been itemizing their deductions and writing off their charitable donations, that's really no longer possible for about 80 to 85% of people. Those people are not going to have the ability to write those off. Now, if you're above that $24,000 threshold for a married couple, you're still able to write off your charitable deductions. Uh, but that's the biggest change. I don't think it's one that people really realize. Uh, so f- going into this year, just because they haven't had to do their taxes under the new laws. Mm-hmm. I know we're talking about charitable giving and estate planning. How does charitable giving fit into estate planning? Great question. Great question. When you're planning what's going to happen to your estate after you pass away, you have a few different options. One, you can decide, hey, I want to give my money to my kids, my family, pass it on that way. You can name a charity and give it away to a nonprofit of some kind to uh, avoid those taxes. Really, with an estate plan, there's usually going to be some taxes involved somewhere in there, especially when you have uh, IRAs and 401ks mm-hmm. involved as well. So we'll talk a little bit about how to kind of plan around that to maybe not leave so much money to the government, but instead pass that money on to charities. Royal, I think anybody would like to give more to their charity or their kids instead of the government. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when we sit down with people who have kids, it's really a question I I, I try to bring up is how much do you want to leave your children? Now, for more affluent people, it it really is a question of of how much wealth do you want to pass on to your kids versus how much wealth do you feel like is necessary for them to be successful, but not so much where maybe it might cause us some, some problems. Now, all families are different. That's a given. I think there's a mm-hmm. line by Tolstoy that <laughs> echoes that sentiment, at least about unhappy families. Now, oftentimes you'll have a mixture of children and kind of types of abilities to deal with money uh, mm-hmm. in families. So oftentimes we need to put in kind of some other uh, barriers there to make sure that we're not giving too much money to kids or at least putting some guardrails around them so that when they inherit this money, they're protected. And that's where a charity can come in is if you have a family with kids that maybe they, they want to give a certain amount, but not too much more. They want to make sure their kids have that work ethic mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, aren't able to kind of retire at 40 in case uh, they pass away too early. So, We'll look at charities as a way of passing that wealth on to something that's meaningful to that individual. Now, for those clients who don't have kids or don't have loved ones that they want to pass money on to, uh, charities are a great choice of saying, I, I want to live beyond my last day. What, what can I do to pass on what I value in life, what, what things I hold dear, and how do I make my wealth kind of last beyond just my, my, my last heartbeat? Mm-hmm. So there, there's a number of different ways of looking at this as we sit down with a client. The first is, and what I really try to encourage, because I think it brings more joy to people's life, is uh, looking at giving lifetime gifts. And what that really means is giving over the course of your lifetime, not waiting to 
uh, be be one of those people who leaves seven million dollars to an organization and has never given any, any money to it before. You hear these stories about you know the uh, the secretary who uh, left eight million dollars to a small college in uh, in New York. She had never attended there, but had a connection that had lasted years. And you hear these stories all the time about this this wealth passing on. I think you can really enjoy that giving throughout your life and not have to wait until you're gone to begin seeing the fruits of your giving. That's a great point. The other way and the other things that we can look at here, especially for clients with big capital gains coming up, clients who are selling a piece of property or a business, is actually using something called either a donor-advised fund or setting up their own private foundation, depending on the size of the capital gains they're trying to defer. Now, with the donor advice fund, that's something that we can set up for uh, around $10,000 or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, very flexible. And what happens there is, is you as a donor gift money uh, into a donor advice fund. You get a charitable deduction for the year that you make that contribution. And then you as the, don- the donor get to advise the foundation on where that money goes to, which charities does that money support? So oftentimes we might look at a, a couple who has kind of an annual budget for giving and with the sale of a, a piece of property or a business, say let's pre-fund 10 years of giving into this donor advised fund. We'll spread that giving out over 10 years, but you get to take 10 years worth of tax deduction in the year where you really need it when you sell that business or that piece of property. You can do much the same thing with the foundation. Now, foundations, probably we're looking at a at million dollars or more to set one of those up. They have much more administrative costs than a donor advised funds, but it's definitely uh, an option, especially for somebody who's looking to make a long-term contribution and impact in their community or their, their uh, desired cause. Okay. Can you expand on a little bit more what that looks like? Absolutely. Absolutely. So there, there's a number of foundations you, you, you've probably heard of kind of the, some of the big ones like the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates foundations. Mm-hmm. Um, those foundations in, in, in uh, the Gates's uh, case were basically funded by a gift of Microsoft stock. And, and Bill Gates is obviously the founder of Microsoft. So he has a fair amount of stock. Yeah. So just he's a couple able to basically give that stock into his foundation. That foundation has a board of directors and a mission statement. And that foundation can live well beyond uh, Bill and Melinda's lifespan and and go off uh, into the future supporting those causes that are important to them, Mm -hmm. such as eradication of disease, education, clean water. Those are just a few of the causes that they're focused on. And that's a great example of kind of a family foundation. Now, there's other foundations like the Rotary Foundation. That's really a a number of different individuals around the world, all giving to one single foundation with the objective of we like these missions that are being supported uh, around the globe by the Rotary Foundation. This is a great way of creating an endowment or supporting a cause inside of that foundation. Royal, those both sound like great plans. However, what if you are going to sell your business, but you need that money for retirement and you can't just create a foundation or, or anything else? You need it. 
Absolutely. That, that, that's a great point. So there's other vehicles that we can look at and use for somebody who is charitably minded that can help produce some income while you're still living, but still ultimately benefit a charity, plus give you some tax deductions in the year that you're realizing some big capital gains. So the two most common there are uh, charitable gift annuities and charitable remainder trusts. Mm-hmm. So basically kind of the same concept here, just, just administered a little bit differently. You're going to set aside money for the future use of a charity, but you're going to be able to take an income stream from that over that period of time. Now, with a charitable gift annuity, you usually need to be uh, have a desire to support a larger charity like a university, uh, because these are somewhat, a little bit more complicated than a charitable remainder trust. With a charitable gift annuity, you're actually giving a chunk of money to a institution like a university, uh, and they're going to give you annuity payments that will last the rest of your life. Now, if you were to go out and, and buy a regular single life annuity or joint life annuity, you could probably get a better rate on the street for that, but you wouldn't get the charitable deduction and you wouldn't be supporting uh, that charity. So in this case, you can give that lump sum to the charity. The charity agrees to give you an income stream for the rest of your life on that. Um, and when you pass away, the charity gets to keep whatever's left over there. So that's a great way of not only planning for those capital gains of the sale of a piece of property, supporting a charity, but also kind of planning your cash flows in retirement. A charitable remainder trust uh, is another solution there. And that's uh, kind of a, a similar concept there, but you're not exactly tied to that individual charity. In this case, we basically make a gift into a charitable remainder trust that has irrevocable charitable beneficiaries of that trust. And then you can take a certain percentage out of that. In some cases, it will be 5%. Sometimes it's the earnings. There's different ways of calculating that. Um, But that's a great way of being able to give to a, a number of smaller charities and support those without having to get into a charitable gift and do it. Royal, when you're talking about those, what is the, you said, obviously there's you get the tax deduction. Do you have to take that all in the first year? Is it flexible? How does that work? Uh, for the most part, you're going to take most of that in the first year simply because you're trying to offset, in most cases, a large capital gain. Um, so you don't get as much uh, of a charitable deduction as you would if, you, let's say, you were to give directly to the charity or directly into a donor advice fund or a foundation. Mm-hmm. But it's still a great way of kind of covering a few bases there. We like to bring that up when it's called for with the sale of a business, sell a piece of property, a large inheritance where we're trying to defer some income tax. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right, where do we go from here? So from here, and I think this is this is probably one of the most fun areas to talk about, and I've spent most of this year talking to my clients uh, about this concept, is your IRAs. Hmm. Now, first off, let, let's just talk about you look at your, your assets, you look at your net worth, and you say, hey, I'm going to pass this on to my kids. And, hey, I, I, I want to leave you know a couple thousand dollars to this charity or that charity, or maybe it's a percentage. So when we look at your net worth there, there's one asset that kind of stands above all the others that in most cases should just go to charity, and that's your traditional IRA or 401k. With a traditional IRA or 401k, the money that's inside of there 
has basically been tax deferred, meaning that every dollar in there, once it leaves the traditional IRA environment, becomes taxable income. However, if you decide, hey, I, I want to support this charity, but I also have my kids to think about, the best way of looking at that, in my opinion, is to say, let's leave the assets that are inside the IRA or a portion of those to the charity because the charity is able to receive those tax-free. Nice. Whereas if you were to leave that money to your kids and give the charity non-qualified money, let's say from your bank account, your kids would still have to pay taxes on that money. That charitable distribution that you did to the charity wouldn't really help your heirs at all there. So that's really something I, that I try to explore with all of my clients that are looking to leave money to charity is, you know, it'd be great if the IRA, you look at your IRAs as your charitable giving vehicle in your estate plan. And can you do a partial gift out of an IRA? And so maybe you have some for your kids and some for the charity? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we do that all the time. Great. The other one, and this is this gets back into lifetime giving, is a qualified charitable distribution. This only applies to IRAs, and the owner of the IRA has to be above the age of 70 and a half. Now, what happens when you turn 70 and a half uh, as an IRA owner? You have to start taking minimum distributions. Correct. The government requires you to begin pulling money out of the IRA each year. At 70 and a half, we estimate it starts at about 3.5% of your end-of-year IRA balance. So in the new tax law, the government made permanent the Qualified Charitable Distribution Law, which basically states that if you're over the age of 70 and a half, you can make a Qualified Charitable Distribution directly from your IRA to a charity. It will satisfy your required minimum distribution for the year, but it won't count as taxable income for you on your tax return. Now, you don't get a charitable deduction, but how all this fits in together is with the new tax law, most people lost the ability to deduct their charitable giving on their tax return anyway. So this is a great way of lowering your taxes, still supporting uh, the charity of your choice and just reducing how much the government gets of what you've saved. Wow, that's great. And so you can give up to $100,000 a year from your qualified IRAs to a qualified charity like that. And so what we're doing right now for a lot of clients is we're planning their their tithing for next year. And I joke with them. They can tell their, their church, hey, I'm going to give all of my tithing in one lump sum. And, you know, if you want to make sure that the, the pastor is nice for you for the entire year, make sure you do it at the end of the year. Because if you give it in January, there's no incentive for him to, uh, you know, show up at weddings and funerals. <laughs> because some of the, the tools we use when we look at using charitable giving as part of the estate plan, uh, I think for anybody who's given over their lifetime, including uh, the charities that were important to you over your life, is a great way of just continuing that legacy that you've built for yourself. Mm -hmm. No, I, I think it's great. I think that everyone out there listening to this is they have something in mind that they would like to support, something that they have either been impacted by or they just see something in their in their neighborhood or their community that does good work and wants to support that. So I, I think this is a very good podcast, very timely. Great. So next time, as we kind of wrap up today, we want to sit down and kind of go back to basics. We want to go back to 
hey, what should someone who's right out of, you know, college, high school, or even someone who's maybe trying to fix some things on their own balance sheet uh, in their own financial lives, what are those baby steps that they can go through to get on the right path? So uh, next time we'll, we'll be talking, we'll be talking about the Dave Ramsey baby steps, what uh, Dave Ramsey kind of talks about in his in his show and his books. Uh, it's a process I've used quite often with people who are struggling or just getting started. And it's a great way of just educating people about that step-by-step process of really getting into a good, good position for the future. And good habits to make. I, I, Absolutely. Royal, I know way more people that need that podcast than necessarily have millions of dollars to give to charity. But hopefully this next podcast will help set people up so they do have millions of dollars to give to charity at some point in their life. Uh, and if you're listening to this podcast, please know that this next one is going to be all about the baby steps and, and what Dave kind of shares and what Royal's take on it is and, and how Royal helps his clients. So please think about sharing this podcast and sharing Royal's podcast with somebody that you know that could use it. Uh, Royal, do you have any closing thoughts for us today? Uh, just think about how you're impacting your community around you. You know, if, if you feel like you could be doing more, explore opportunities to volunteer your time in the areas that, that you feel are, are important. You know, maybe it's spending some time, you know, reading at the library. Maybe it's it's uh, walking dogs for the local Humane Society. But I truly believe you can lead a brighter and better life by giving back some of your wealth and time to your community around you. Absolutely. And if you're new in the community, that is a wonderful way to get plugged in and meet people that have the same passions in, as you. Go on a Saturday, swing a hammer for uh, Habitat for Humanity. Go like 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 Royal said, go volunteer at a shelter to, to walk dogs or find something in your neighborhood that means something to you. You'll meet people that have the same mindset as you and kind of the same heart, and you'll make fast friends. Everyone out there, thank you for listening to the Life by Design podcast with Royal Stanley. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Royal comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family and those that you know could use this advice. Thanks again for listening. For everyone at Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Life by Design podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The views expressed are those of the presenter and may not reflect the views of United Planner Financial Services. Material discussed is meant to provide general information and is not to be construed as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. Individual needs vary and require consideration of your unique objectives and financial situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Advisory services offered through Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through United Planner Financial Services of America, member FINRA and SIPC. Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. and United Planners Financial Services are independent companies.